Welcome to Soul Inspired Leadership's latest podcast. And today our guest is Philip Christian. He's a global innovation and ex-trust pioneer and the voice of digital generations Y to Z. He's the author of the book, Reset and the Trust Economy. He's also a TEDx storyteller, futurist on our, on our humanity. He's an international keynote speaker deciphering our digital economy. He's spent the past decade driving innovation for Fortune 500s, and his executive masterclasses for a top Asian business school have garnered rave reviews. And personally, knowing Philip, I can tell you now, he's very enthusiastic and optimistic about the future. So tell me, Philip, I know you're a big, big person on trust and what trust means um, to, to business or to just generally people in, in life. Um, and you've written a book on the trust economy, et cetera. So what does trust mean to you in business? Well, actually, trust means pretty much the same to me, Ross, as to every person in the world, because um, fundamentally, at least, you know, the science tends to show the science that we all have the same brain. So it's a very old brain. And at that foundational emotive level, um, actually, humans react the same way to the world. So trust, um, this is a hint, is actually an emotion. Um, A lot of people like to think of it as morale or ethics. um, And sure, it gets rationalized in that way. However, on the deciding factor, it is an emotion. And this means that trust is shaping our lives in the same way that other emotions are also shaping our lives. And so clearly there's a hint here is that emotions are, of course, very important in our social lives. And so is trust because it is allowing us to create connection, cooperation, and as a result of that collaboration between us and others, which is arguably what the human miracle is founded upon is, you know, when humans started uh, walking upright, that was one thing, but when they started making tools and hunting together and eventually forming tribes and then forming mega tribes like modern day cities, that is when truly the human success story um, is thriving. And that's kind of what it's built on. So trust is that, social foundation of, you know, really the, the, the magic of humanity and the magnificence of our species, nonetheless. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. It's an emotion. It's that, that emotional connect between people. It's based on a, on a trust. So it's not a conscious uh, decision in a sense. Uh, people really want to be trusted, whether they show yeah. that behavior, but deep down they want to be, because that's the connect. I think that's a really good point there, Ross. Um, We are wired uh, to trust. Um, And of course, the question is how much uh, trust is too much. And the reality here is that there is a sort of balance that, of course, needs to be achieved. Um, Similar to, you know, relationships, we want reciprocity. And I think that goes for trust as well, because trust ultimately, uh, just like money and power, um, is is a form of influence and is a quite strong variable of influence. So um, you could think of it as, and I like to use the example of the force, um, you know, it's neither good nor bad, but it can be used in various forms. It can be, yeah. can be used to persuade, to influence, to make change happen. So I kind of pivot trust as a catalyst for change, as the um, the, the required ingredient for us to be innovating, changing, uh, transforming. And when I, when I say trust here, I mean trust, of course, uh, in our own abilities to be able to do that, but also trust of others in the fact that we're you know, competent and agreeable, warmth and competence, the core psychological dimensions people like to quote. Why? Well, why would anybody support a new idea if they didn't yeah, trust yeah. you to do it, right? They have to trust you and your idea for it to 
to happen. And so this is the thesis that's presented in the trust economy, uh, which mm. is quite a unique and perhaps a fresh take on trust and how trust is driving the economy as well. Yeah, yeah. And I can, and I can as you're speaking there, a couple of thoughts come to mind of different clients I've had after the years. And like some of them, some of them, when it comes to trust, um, they, they expect people to, to trust them. But yeah. that doesn't mean to say they trust other people. <laughs> like it's, yeah. It's as and, and to me, at the end of the day, you've got to trust yourself. Right. Before it's, you can really do anything else. It, it, yeah. It's very fundamental. Actually, you know, what, what you're mentioning there, um, I, I think is the classic uh, you know, sort of problem of um, organized humanity. If you're in a room with a handful of people and there's a thousand dollars on the table, I guarantee you that most likely that group will you know, kind of, if, if left to their own devices, will distribute uh, the monies fairly, especially if they don't know each other, have no social yeah. context, right? Humans tend to, in, in a group, self-regulate towards equality. Yeah, yeah. Now, once you take the human out of the equation, once you take the trust out of the transaction, once it really just becomes about uh, a transactional interaction, suddenly that level of conscience is also um, going away. Because what you're essentially in the kind of global economy seeing right now is, actually the opposite forces at play is a focus on distrust and skepticism and also a focus on the sort of not my problem attitude. So the idea is that I would amass as much trust and money as possible and I would leave other people to worry about themselves, which is kind of yeah. the reason why we can purchase from a supplier, push their price and have zero worries about how maybe that's affecting the conditions and the employment of their workers. Yeah. And of course, yeah. there is a certain flaw in that because at the end of the day, that means you know, the degree to which we trust and the degree to which trust is imbalanced is actually driving uh, the way to which value chains are imbalanced as well. So, so fixing that then raises a question, how do we do that? How can we as a single person you know, fix mm, yeah, those big yeah. issues of our times which are often trust issues? If I don't trust global warming is happening, right, hypothetically, then why would I make a difference? So sure, I, I'll, I'll do my bit. But if other people are thinking along this way of, you know, what does a single individual make a difference? Um, mm -hmm. We're, of course, having a systemic problem altogether. And this is where self-trust does come in. This is where things get very personal. So for me, um, I actually believe that um, a single individual and, in fact, the act of trusting ourselves can have a huge influence on the lives of the people around us. And we're often not even aware of that influence because most of the yeah. time, right, really fundamentally the vast majority of human problems boil down to us lacking trust in our own abilities and people say they can't yeah. run a marathon they can't do this they can't get up early they can't get this job they can't be in a happy relationship well the reality is that the more people keep saying that the more that ends up being their emotive experience and the more it justifies that, their experience yeah. and that's the problem with trust it's a beautiful force of self-actualization and genuinely um, the, the, the foundation of a fulfilled existence and one that is likely prosperous as well because the most trusted people tend to get paid the most, they tend to have the most influence and they tend to have the most power. So it is all the desirable things we seek. But the thing is, if we're seeking those things without giving them to ourselves, how successful are we going to be at that? Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's sustainable. There'll be issues happen. Oh, and like you were, you were saying a minute ago, um, about as we were saying about the tr uh, trust is an emotion, yeah. And the, the example you used about putting a thousand, thousand dollars on the table, it, it it if you're taking the money with thinking no one else has seen it, 
it's an emotional response to taking that money. It's not your head saying, oh, I'll take that money, but it's the emotion response that, aren't I clever? <laughs> it's that, oh, I feel good. I've got money. It's that feeling of having the money and no one else has. Like it's, it's not a, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's the, it's the thrill of having it, which is an emotive response, not, not a, a cognitive response so much. Yeah, and I think I think the, the there's an interesting distinction here because in a, in a group scenario, emotional you know drivers are certainly part of self-regulation, as in you yeah. want to avoid being ostracized from the group. Um, hormones like oxytocin play a role there yeah. that strengthen in-group cohesion and make us more hostile towards others and the out-group. Which is also, by the way, why we tend to believe that if we're in sales, that marketing are the idiots and we're the geniuses. Kind of, yeah. you know, there's that in-group out-group behavior which is very detrimental and actually dysfunctional inside a company um, and it's yeah. happening at all levels of society and group levels. It certainly back, does, yes. Back to the emotive part, right? Mm. So our emotions um, are, are clearly like a strong driver and sometimes we don't even know why they're driving us. Um, and then there's a rationalization, right? With trust, this rationalization eventually happens around kind of doing the right thing and so on and so forth. All very important. You have to be yeah. uh, trustworthy. But being trustworthy is a cognitive process. Being trusted that's an emotive process. Yeah, you know, if, yeah. if, if trust were always an ethical thing, then con men would hardly exist, right? Hmm. So, so clearly, that's sometimes right. we trust too much that's and sometimes right. we trust too little, which means rather than talking about building trust as an absolute, we talk about it as a spectrum. First of all, everybody starts in a different place. Trust is a spectrum from, you know, very, very kind of little trust to really, really lots of trust, perhaps too much. And it's about balancing that relevant to the context rather than trying to achieve some absolute mm -hmm. trust. I think that yeah, there's yeah. a lot of nuance required in understanding the subject. Yeah, I understand. I understand that. It's like it's, it's, it, well, your cognitive space justifies what your emotions done. I suppose it's, yeah, it, it, sure. it basically it just, as you said, it rationalizes it. And that's what happens uh, all too often. We rationalize things in business. Yep. Um, to justify our our emotional response to something, and that emotional response could be, "I'm better than you," "I'm worse than you." That still can be your rationalised then to say that. But even though emotionally deep down, it's that deep down feeling of your own self and not trusting yourself. And I think that, as you mentioned, the sort of you know, I guess the 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 emotional influence here that you know is perhaps compelling us to rationalize certain yeah. viewpoints. Uh, the reality is that um, I think people may feel at the mercy of their emotions as well, both depressed and enlightened emotions. Um, mm. That can be good if those are happy emotions, it can be or enthusiastic emotions, but it can be a lot less nice if they're uh, bad emotions, right? And so yeah. Yeah. I, I, find that, I find that we have become so cognitively trained um, through education and our even like a business world that um, sometimes simply realizing that we are also very much in control of our emotions and it's not just our emotions shaping us but it's also us shaping our emotions right it's not just our mind shaping our body but it's also our body mm. shaping our mind it's that balancing <laughs> and interchanging which uh, actually means we do have control it's just that it makes it a bit harder to understand where to begin and usually you want to yeah. begin with something like people love to begin with something tangible but all the tangible things in our lives, they actually manifest from the abstract. 
So sometimes it helps beginning with the abstract, which means inquiring into an abstract emotion, like why would you distrust yourself? Why would you doubt yourself? And just trying to explore what's going on there versus in moments where you are trusting and you are in fact uh, you know, embracing your own abilities. What's the difference? And before you know it, your mind is actually capable of telling you exactly what that is. So yeah, oftentimes yeah. it's about discovering resources we didn't think we had or didn't know we had, rather than kind of constantly looking outwards, trying to find the answers in some guru or some you know, external resource. It's about actually the best advice we can give even to business leaders is to look inside, right? And that is and a trust exactly conversation right. yeah. very much. Yeah, and it's, as you said, it's, we tend to live in a cognitive space because that's, that's yeah. programmed in us from, with school. Um, but, some, but really, it's trust is, which comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? It's, is yeah. your emotions influencing your cognitive thought or do your cognitive thought needs to influence your emotion? I guess it's whatever, whatever, whatever's the most positive, your head or your heart, is, <laughs> needs to be working the most dominant. Otherwise, the negative yeah. emotive response could be destroying you or the negative thought process could be destroying your emotions. It's, it's hard to say how, where it starts and each individual, I guess, um, is different when it comes to that. I think that, that is, it, it does. Um, I think whether you choose the chicken or the egg depends on your degree of optimism, ultimately. Yeah, that's right? exactly it. Yeah. So, so do you take what's tangible in front of you right now or do you believe in the promise of it actually materializing in future? Um, yeah. I, I use the example of a flower with some of my clients. Um, so it's basically a flower that hasn't opened yet. And um, the flower represents the talent, right? And the, the environment represents the organization. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the organization says to the flower, you know what? It's great that we have a, a, a flower here. Um, well, I mean, we'd like you now to demonstrate that you can blossom. And the flower says, that's okay. All I need for this is soil, right? Sunshine, water, and a bit of CO2. And the organization says, okay, that's fair enough. We get that. But before we give you those things, we'd like you to prove to ourselves that you can actually blossom and that you'll be a nice flower. And the flower mm. says, yeah, but that's not how it works. I don't know how to do that without having those ingredients which I need to produce mm. my flour. And then the organization says, we understand that, but we really can't give you those things unless you prove to us that you can do this. And so the flour tries really, really, really hard. And at the end of the day, it produces a tiny, meager little flour. And then the organization goes and says like, see, I told you, you're worthless. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. sorry, it's a poor excuse for a flour, and that's it, you're worthless. Yeah. And you tell that story to senior leaders and first they start nodding, then they start smiling and then they become terrified. It's kind of like a slew of emotions going on when they begin realizing the significance of that story, Correct. how it's reflected yeah. in reality. So like, um, yeah. it's a story hey, of gotta, trust. We gotta, that's it, we're going to trust ourselves and put our money where our mouth is and, and throw that watering in that well sorry providing the environment for that flower to blossom and that costs money so we're running a risk on these people at the end of the day you can't oh, yeah. wait till the people to perform and then pay them later you've got to create the environment first to allow them to grow into it and that's this is what you're saying and that's the scary yep. bit to 
Well, what well, it's we? actually, it's, there's a morale there as well, because when we look at a flower, we bloody well know it's going to blossom, right? It's natural. Hey. So there is a natural tendency inborn for us to trust ourselves because we kind of have to, hey. to navigate life. And when that hey. gets socialized out of us, because someone's telling us that, hey, actually other people have the answers and those answers are defined. And if you disagree with them, that's your problem. It's kind of, I think, pigeonholing people into a mindset where indeed it's hard to find options or resources in, 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 in such a sort of black and white world. The world we want to be instead living in is one where we realize that if we deny our natural tendencies, then our natural tendencies would be denying us, right? So at the end of the day, mm. it's kind of <laughs> garbage in, garbage out. And this goes from mindset especially. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so true. That's so true. It's, um, so you're mentioning uh, to me just before we come on the recording that you've uh, just finished another book, um, Reset. So how's, what, what's the main message in that one? Right. It's about rethinking our world and imagining a different future. And this is, of course, a pandemic story, but most importantly, it's a post-pandemic story. It's about mm. the reminder that this pandemic is presenting to humanity that we've got too focused on competing and uh, being narrow-mindedly kind of sold to the story that individual selfishness is somehow through magic going to lead to collective well-being. It's actually a really dumb story. If you told that to a child, a child would say, well, never, that would never work. But humans, uh, very educated people, economists, tend to believe that story. Hey. So the problem is um, that hasn't worked. And in fact, whenever we play negative sum games, we end up getting uh, less than we began with, right? So on hmm. a human level, we kind of intuitively know that something about a transactional sort of competitive economy that is trying to avoid collaboration is missing out, especially in the context of a pandemic where you know, global collaboration towards the same greater good, which is happiness and a peaceful and prosperous society, that should be a, an absolute natural tendency. Because mm. in the end, we do all want the same thing. So this book is a story about how business can now be embracing a different scenario and a different algorithm. And there's two kind of um, stories there that, that yeah, we can yeah. derive from that yeah. as we go through the book. Um, the first is that there is your kind of type A company. The type A company sort of realizes that this is a moment of unique opportunity, that there's suddenly an urgency to be driving important transformations, which perhaps beforehand there wasn't. So now with this urgency, they're actually making changes. They're looking after their people. They're digitizing their organization. And in five to ten years' time, they'll be thriving again. Latest then, probably sooner. And then there's the type B company. The type B company sort of sees the pandemic as a, an inconvenience at best, you know, and sees it as a way of doing a bare minimum kind of, and then going back to whatever they think was, uh, was done right before. The reality yeah. is that that company is missing the biggest opportunity of our times for reinvention and for ultimately finally delivering the sort of promise of innovation and transformation that they've been peddling and society has been expecting of them mm. for a long time. So those kinds of companies in five to ten years time will probably be doing a lot less well. And I think yeah. we all need to choose a path here. Yeah, I agree with that on the path. And matter of fact, I think um, this, the way the world is at the moment and what we've just been through and slowly coming out of is probably going to stimulate more mergers and acquisitions than we've ever had before because it's that type A and type B, it's right. polarized the thinking. And I think 
the ones that win this game, which is more the type A, because that's what is needed, the type B are going to diminish at a faster yeah. rate and the type A grow at a faster rate. So M&A work is going to be uh, very aggressively pursued, I suspect. I think it could be an interesting uh, secondary effect where you end up having successful companies with the right mindsets acquiring companies that lack those mindsets and then yeah. somehow persuading those into the culture which is thriving. Um, that yeah. would be a very optimistic stance and I do hope that that's happening. Be. In fact, it's a <laughs> new be. angle yeah. to the often uh, rather yeah. hostile and competitive M&A space. It would actually be a way of ultimately sort of helping out those struggling companies who have missed this opportunity in this window mm. and then naturally be integrating them into a shift that could actually be longer term. I genuinely wish that that's the case and I think that's a very positive outlook uh, to be sort of, you know, expecting as well. So it's a great, it's a great oh, thought. Yes. It's a great, well, it's a positive thought. I know both you and I are very optimistic people, so that's my optimistic right. side of me telling me this is going to happen. It will happen, but whether it happens to the magnitude I'd like it to happen is the point. Yeah. Um, so I guess, look, on that note, <coughs> oh dear. on that note, um, thank you, Philip, for joining us today on Soul Inspired Leadership's Leadership Podcast. And I'm sure we'll have you on again one day uh, because... To me, um, it's a good point to say that trust is an emotion, not an ethical issue. Right. So I just think that, that's a good headline we can call call this podcast. Trust like is that. an emotion. I like that, Ross. And thanks for having this uh, conversation with me. Thank you, and thank you, viewers, for uh, or viewers, our listeners, to um, to joining us today. And and next time we'll be probably about another week or so, we'll have another podcast out. So thank you for joining us. Mm -hmm.